0: Welcome to Maiden Speech. My name is Monica Ferguson, portrait photographer and self-love advocate from New Zealand. Each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to uplift and empower you. Thanks for hanging out. Now let's get into it. I am going to quote my next guest because seriously, she is so quotable. Jess wrote, like a girl was used as an insult growing up. You throw like a girl, you run like a girl, you cry like a girl. It transpires as I grew up, I did run like a girl and I won most of my races. I played soccer like a girl and as a result was better than most boys in my class, but still not allowed to play on the school team. I also cried like a girl and have learned that our feminine traits make us strong, not fragile. I mean, how awesome is that? Jess Stewart is a coach, consultant and speaker on personal development topics. She's also written two books, has been featured on TV, and is a qualified yoga and meditation instructor with a certificate in life coaching. And she's here, yay. Hey, Jess, thanks so much for joining me. (laughs) Hi, thanks for that lovely introduction. That's all good. I may have done some research on you earlier today, just saying. (laughs) Sounded familiar. (laughs) Yeah, all good. So I'd love it if you could just give us a bit of a rundown on where your journey started and how you kind of got here.
1: Wow, yes, so if I, uh, where do I start? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um so I grew up in the u k, which you'll know from my accent, and um moved to New Zealand about eight years ago now, and I was in human resources. That had been my career for sort of fifteen years, and I'd been busy climbing the ladder and um you know trying to carve out the success that everybody told me earning lots of money and being important would bring me (laughs) and it didn't really and I found that the further I climbed the ladder the more further removed I got from actually working with the people and doing the things that I enjoyed and I decided that I'd go out on my own. So that's when it all started, but it took me a while to figure out what that would look like. So that's where the yoga teaching, the mindfulness meditation came in. I did a lot of, um, I quit my corporate career and did a lot of travel and went to sort of learn from other cultures and how other people did their versions of success. And I learned a lot about people along the way. I was fortunate enough to um, teach uh, English to Buddhist monks and learned a lot about mindfulness (laughs) from them. That became a a passion. (laughs) I went to lots of different countries, met some amazing people and I wrote about it along the way way I'm writing has been a passion of mine for for a long time now and that's sort of where where the books came from
0: yeah amazing so one of the things before I actually met you in real life I had heard about this imposter syndrome thing and it had been resonating in my mind because as a creative I totally get that and sometimes people don't seem to understand when you talk about it like they just go oh but you take good photos what's the problem and it's like No, like, so I would love if you could share a bit about imposter syndrome, like what is it? And how did you even come upon this as a concept?
1: Yeah, definitely. It is certainly trending at the moment. It's the most popular thing I'm asked to talk about of the last year. So yeah. since my second book came out, which was last March, it's been the one thing it, I mentioned it in the book. I've got a little chapter on, on self-doubt and in there we talk about imposter syndrome and it's the one thing that everyone's gone crazy for, which to me shows that obviously there is a need. People are talking about it. It's trending. And so, yeah, it's become a, a big thing. And it's, it's something that I've suffered from in the past and something that I've realized since writing my second book that so many people do, men and women, but particularly women. And it's really amazing to me because a lot of the women like yourself, um, and by the way, it is particularly prevalent among creative types. I oh, good <laughs> so, to know. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so many women that I've met and that I've worked with are awesome at what they do. And when they talk to me, they, they share how much they doubt this and whether their success might actually be down to some big mistake or luck or just people liking them and yes, it just yeah. <laughs> blew me away this inability to see our own magnificence really so that's sort of what led me to to talk about it to research it to build workshops around it and it's been really popular over the last 12 months both in businesses and in the community as well
0: yeah I bet so where do you think this actually comes from this feeling of... Because it, it seems to me, like, it doesn't even matter which area of life it is. All of us are saying the same thing, right? That none of us feel good enough, basically. And it might be yep. in career, or it might be, like, um, I've just done a podcast with a makeup artist that I work with, and we were talking mm. about appearance-wise, right? People come in and they're apologetic. I'm sorry I haven't been to the gym, or my tooth <laughs> is bad, or I'm too this, I'm too old. Can you fix this? Can you make me look good? And I love what you just said about magnificence. And people connecting into their own magnificence and remembering because it's there for everyone, but it's like, we're
1: super disconnected from it. And that, seems to be creating a lot of issues for us yeah Mm -hmm. totally this um you know that we we have all this stuff in us there is this myth around self-improvement that we've always got to be getting better and that we're not enough as we are and the reality is that it all exists already within us we just have to learn to tap into it and so often particularly as women we're so busy looking outside of ourselves for something else and you know to be more rich more clever more thin more beautiful whatever word you put into to that space that yeah. we are so busy trying to please people we're busy doing lots of things and we don't sort of look in at what's already there and know that oh actually that's enough and a lot of that can be for many reasons but imposter syndrome certainly plays a part I mean that's something that you know we have this inability to internalize our accomplishments. so when we do well we can't accept the praise for it and we also feel like we're going to get found out that one day people are gonna realize that I don't know as much as they seem to think I do or I'm not as good as they think I am
0: (laughs) oh that is like a hundred percent my this is the conversation I have with my husband constantly honestly (laughs) it's like at what point do you actually like surely there must be a point where you can look at yourself and say actually I am really talented like and acknowledge oh I've worked really hard and I've you know spent years building my craft and I'm getting the recognition that I deserve or anything like that but instead as exactly what you say you go to the negative like it's only a matter of time until someone figures me out like I'm a fraud I'm not even good um uh-huh. everyone else is better than me although I have to say that one I've been working on a lot so I've basically unfollowed all the people that kind of bring those sort <laughs> of comparisons it sounds so brutal but all those like comparison feelings that come up you know it's like yeah. I'm not gonna gone to Instagram to feel bad about myself I'd rather go on and be inspired but yeah it's like I just keep thinking it's a I mean I've been going for five six years I'm like there must be a point where you can just really give yourself
1: some credit surely you would think so, eh? But it's—I um, mean—it's it's ironic because if we're getting success and praise, it's because we've earned it, because we deserve it. You know, if we've been offered a job, it's because we've got the skills and experience for that, that job. If somebody says "well done," it's because they have appreciated what we've done. But we have this this inner voice that's telling us, "Oh, that's not real. That's because of this." We're trying to put it down to other things and reason it away, almost explain it away by "it's a mistake," "it's luck. "it's just because they like me," "it's not real." I'm, I'm not really worth this, and so we'll explain it away. And it's yeah, it's a self-sabotage trick that we've become very good at and I think it does tend to peak and then wane so sometimes you'll find that it's more stronger at certain times of our life or in certain areas of our life for example either our career or our relationships or sometimes it sort of turns its volume up when we're getting a new job or trying something new those kind of things but even celebrities admit there's a lot of celebrities out there that talk about having imposter syndrome even at the stage of their career where they're you know, the top of their field, idolized by millions, earning millions, and yet they still doubt that they um, their own abilities.
0: Yeah. I heard that Adele used to run away from her concerts and <laughs> like, throw up as well. There was one time she actually ran and they had to go and find her. And I, I kind of love that, like keeping it real instead of this disconnect where we think everyone else has a perfect life and they're all rich and famous. And it's like, it's not like that at all. They're just like us only on a bigger platform
1: right now. Oh, for sure. And we've got a tendency to compare to other people a lot of the time and feel like we're not measuring up. But the reality is when we look at people that we aspire to be, or we look at famous people and we think they're amazing, they've got it all figured out, we must be doing it wrong because clearly they're doing it right. And often when you do, when those people do talk openly about how they're feeling and what's been happening for them, you'll find that, you know, they struggle from the same things and and self-limiting beliefs that we do. And, you know, they've gotten to where they are by battling through that and bouncing back from that and carrying on anyway and it's not that they're doing it differently to us they're just further along in that journey
0: yeah true so I'm just wondering in terms of creatives and imposter syndrome do you think that it might be a bit more prevalent because you can't really measure creativity like you can't say this is good and this is bad or this is right and this is wrong whereas if it was maths it's either correct or it's incorrect you know but whereas with creativity I mean and I know when I studied photography I had all these different like tutors all expecting different things all with different backgrounds and this need to please everyone because I was actually (laughs) getting graded but in that process I didn't actually figure out my own style my own voice until much later and I just wonder like is that it because you are you're trying to sort of yeah you're you're not it's not measurable like someone's gonna hate your art someone's gonna love it and you just kind of have to be okay with that.
1: Oh, totally. And that's why the creative industry is a breeding ground for this sort of stuff for exactly that reason, that it's not, it's not tangible, particularly with things like art. It's down to the consumer. People like different things. And some people will listen to music and say, that's amazing. And others will hate it. And it's very difficult then to get a feeling of, OK, I'm doing OK. This is good. People are enjoying what I'm, what I'm making. So that can increase some of those feelings of imposter syndrome and, and self-doubt. Hmm.
0: Yes. So where do we begin to actually start to heal some of these issues and these
1: feelings that we may have? oh, look, it's it's something that it's always going to crop up. It's not something that I think ever goes away. It's, it's funny because it's something I've been working on for years. And only recently, just last year, I was invited to do a workshop at the office of the prime minister um, on imposter syndrome. And I sat there in reception at, at mm. parliament thinking, oh my God, who am I to be sat here um, about to deliver this presentation? What do I know about this subject? I'm actually sat here um, feeling like an imposter myself. Um, and now <laughs> yeah. I've got to go in and pretend to be an expert in this, in this field. I mean, bearing in mind, I've written a book on this. <laughs> yeah, day, yeah. <laughs> but I was still having those thoughts and feelings because of the occasion or because of the place and the grandeur of, of Parliament and speaking to the office of the PM. So it's, it's something that you kind of need to control and navigate as opposed to get rid of completely. I don't think it ever yeah. goes away. It's always there in the background. But if we learn to manage and navigate it, then we can learn to turn the volume down. And that's kind of the key with this. And that starts by, you know, recognizing our strengths and owning our successes. And we're not, always very good at that particularly in a country like New Zealand where you know we don't want to be tall poppies we've been taught to be modest we do tend to play down our successes even more and not want to sort of speak up about our achievements but actually starting to do that even if we're just writing it in the back of our diary each time when something good has happened I actually keep a folder on my desktop on my laptop. And I pull into that things like you know, if I've been on TV or in a newspaper, or I've had an email from someone saying that they've been to an event and it's changed their life in some way, those kind of things. And so whenever I look in that folder, it's a reminder, it offsets that imposter syndrome stuff. And it's a reminder that, oh my God, even though I'm doubting myself, here's the proof, here's the evidence that I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing a good job.
0: Yes, I have exactly the same thing in my phone, and I have awesome. I take screenshots every time someone writes a positive comment or whatever it may be. I take a screenshot and I put it in this, it's called my positivity album. And um, <laughs> and it, it does work though, it really does because it does seem like well, yeah, we give so much more weight to one negative comment as opposed to a thousand positive things, we do. and it is good, I guess. Once you and I, this is maybe where the mindfulness stuff comes in as well, that if you're if you're aware of it and you're consciously thinking about it and you can kind of almost argue with yourself like, okay, this thing's happened, but that's not who I am. And I'm actually choosing not to fall to pieces. I'm just going to give myself some grace and effect. Mm. Yeah. It's,
1: that's really it's like powerful. The, you, you will find that when you label something, it reduces its intensity and its power. So if, imposter syndrome is a great example of that. When, when those thoughts are arising in your mind when you can label them and say oh okay I understand now that this is my imposter syndrome it's not actually a reality it's not that I'm not as good as people seem to think I am because that's not the reality that's just what my imposter syndrome voice is is telling me and being able to reframe that stuff in our mind and label it really helps it's very powerful
0: yeah I actually you know everyone says don't listen to what other people say about you and I actually wrote a blog saying the exact opposite. Because I think sometimes what other people have to say about us is a lot kinder than what we say to ourselves.
1: And that, <laughs> You're I mean,
0: right. Yeah, like the Positivity album. It's like 300 things, of lovely things that people have said to me. Have I said them to myself? I mean, yes, I'm working on that. Definitely, I've made a start. But people will rave about how amazing you are and how much impact you've made and all these things, how talented you are. And I feel like, especially as a creative, it's very easy to lose objectivity because you just, you cannot look at your own work clearly and know if that's good or bad. So, for example, if I've shot a wedding and... You know, people will look at those photos through the lens of, oh my gosh, it's the love of my life and everyone's so happy and everyone looks so beautiful. And whereas I'm like, oh yeah, you know, technically it's good. I think it's good. I, I feel like it captures some of the emotion. But then you'll get, you know, an email from someone in London saying, I saw these photos and, you know, it's the best thing that I've ever seen. And it's like, oh, <laughs> you sort of remember, like people, yeah. And for, even some that, like- reason,
1: for some reason, um, other people's opinions carry more weight than our own. So it is always more powerful when you get praise from other people. And one of the um, exercises I get people to do in my workshop is to think of three strengths that if I asked somebody that knew them well, either a colleague or a friend or a family member, what are the three top strengths that they possess? What are the three things that people value most about them? And some people find it really difficult to start thinking of that. But if they mm. text a friend during the workshop and say, hey, I'm doing this course, can you, can you give me the answer? to this give me three words and then when they get those words they're like oh wow this is really cool that people see this in me and often we can't see it in ourselves, or we're a bit reluctant to admit that these are strengths because we're not used to talking about the things we're good at we're more more inclined to focus on the things that we're not good at
0: (laughs) yes yes and I definitely think in New Zealand we are shocking and I even feel like if I was having a conversation like this, I almost apologise before I say something nice about myself because of, of how I fear I'm going to be perceived. Like, mm. I, which is ridiculous. So I sort of surround myself with people who are, um, you know, in a similar in a similar boat, really. Um, yeah. But ultimately, like, why are we so afraid to acknowledge our strengths? What a ridiculous waste of our energy to just. To, you know, to go through life without actually just embracing those good things.
1: Yeah, it's something we need to get better at. It's something we need to practice. There's actually some research um, by a lady called Dr. Barbara Fredrickson. She's written a book on uh, positivity ratios. And she talks about the negativity bias that exists in our brain. And because of that negativity bias, you know, that's why we're so much more inclined to think about the things we're not so good at, the things we don't like about ourselves, the things that went wrong this week instead of right. She says to offset that negativity bias that already exists in our brain, we need three to one. So three positive emotions, thoughts, experiences to everyone negative just to offset that bias so we've got a lot of practice to do in retraining the brain to be more positive because it is so used to being in a negative space and that's its automatic go-to so the more we train it to be positive the more we start thinking about our successes our strengths and the things that we like about ourselves the better that gets you we're kind of evening out that negativity bias
0: totally yeah so okay that makes sense three to one so three to one I, yep that's the yeah, figure so I guess it's just about being very conscious and not just allowing these negative things to kind of roll us without even being aware of them I think um yeah I realized I mean I got quite into like you know NLP and CBT and all that years ago and mm-hmm. I was flatting and I had to walk past a big mirror on the way to my bedroom and one day I heard myself like in my own mind say the most despicable things to myself and I was like I've been doing this my entire life and I've never even noticed but no wonder I don't feel very good about myself like if I had someone walking around saying these things to me I (laughs) honestly would not be able to leave the house I'd be like what's the point I'm quit showering I'm quitting life like put on my fat pants and stay at home but it's like all of a sudden it was just like what
1: the heck are you actually doing Totally. But, and that's really good progress. If you've noticed, that's the first step. Because quite often we do all of this stuff without even being aware of it. So the fact that you're noticing is, is awesome because that's the first step to then the next step, which is actually readdressing that balance.
0: Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, one of the good things that we can do to help other people is actually say these nice things out loud. Because I feel like many people are not very good at that. Like I caught up with a friend yesterday and I was just raving about her and we were talking, we're actually talking about our pets and how much we love them, right? And how we <laughs> talk to them like they're our little babies and we tell them how much we love them. And, and she was saying that her son had said to her, I wish you talked to me the way you talk to that dog. And I was kind uh-huh. of a joke, but it's that thing. Like, and she said, oh, well, they know that I love them. And I was just like, yep. And I'm sure they do but isn't it amazing to see the impact when you say something lovely to someone, how much they like sparkle straight away, how awesome it is to be seen. Right. It's like that. I mean, it's like yoga at like Namaste. I love that. Like it's acknowledging the magnificence in each other and how powerful it is. And it's like, it just connects you. And I love these conversations so much because it just reminds us that, because ultimately I feel like we are all one, right. We're all in the same boat we're all going through these things together but we're acting like we're not and to have these sort of conversations it just brings us back to yeah the fact that we can actually all make such a difference for each other just by saying things out loud and in New Zealand it's disturbing it yeah I mean we've got some horrific statistics in terms of you know abuse and suicide and all this sort of really awful stuff and you think okay if we could start by Treating each other really well, treating ourselves really well, starting to lift each other and not being ashamed to actually acknowledge our strengths and our light. And like, it would be a good start, start definitely.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It would be a good start. Yeah. Yeah. And just to get into the practice of doing this stuff and to start rewiring the brain to kind of make this its default as opposed to the negative stuff that, you know, is so easy for us at the moment.
0: Yeah, totally. So when you do your workshops and things, Are there any trends and commonalities that you are noticing time and time again in people?
1: One of the things that I've noticed with most of the women I've worked with, even sort of, you know, well before I did this job, if I think right back into my HR career... That so many of the women that, that I see that I work with are amazing, and most of them can't see it, most of them doubt it. There's mm. there's other other things as well, particularly at the workshop that um, that crops up around the power of us sharing our stories. So, you know, you talked about wouldn't it be great if we, you know, told each other what we thought and gave each other compliments more often, but also when we share our own stories with each other, that's really powerful, particularly for something like imposter syndrome. So whenever I run speaking events about this subject, there's always someone in the room that hearing it for the first time and this light bulb goes on where they (laughs) they're like oh my god This is a thing, and it has a name, and it's not just me. There's other people. There was a Fijian lady uh, last year came up to me after a big event. There was about 50 women in the room, and she came up to me afterwards, and she said, oh, thank you so much for, for that. I've gone my whole life thinking that this was a cultural thing, that it was kind of a defect in Fijian women because I thought it was just me and my close friends. That's the only people I've ever talked to about this, and we don't talk about this stuff enough. And when we do, we kind of get support from each other because we can see, oh wow she's really awesome and I never thought she doubted herself and now she's sharing her story with me and I can see that she has imposter syndrome too and it gives me hope because if she's got it and she's awesome well that means I can still be awesome too and there's a lot of power in that
0: yeah definitely that man this is a thing that keeps coming up in every conversation because it's this I feel like it's the social media thing as well that is doing a lot of damage because I mean for a start like we're not good at communicating in general so Chances are, even if I'm having a horrendous day and you ask me how I am, I'll probably say fine or good, unless you're yep. close to me, you know? But it's like, why do we do that? Honestly, if someone genuinely asks you how you are, we should be able to say, actually, I'm really struggling. But then yep. at the same time, how often do we have actual conversations, like on the phone, let alone face to face? It's all oh, Instagram or I'll Snapchat you or whatever, and do you think that this lack of connection and it seems like we're craving connection as well and that's why, you know, your message and your books and things are doing so well because it's, it just awakens you again and it makes it human instead of all these walls up and like we're only seeing what people want to show us. And it's not real yeah
1: yeah I think I think that's probably the the main part of that it's that we are trying to put on this kind of perfect image that we live the perfect life so we always look glamorous and if we don't we put a, f- a filter across it we always go on nice holidays and do nice things and we don't post about the other boring horrible stuff that we're doing because well, and then other people look at our Facebook pages and go oh god she's got such an awesome life why isn't my life like that and of course that's yeah. the danger with comparison especially on social media um, or media in general because if we're comparing ourselves to something that's in the media we only have half the story and generally it's the good half it's like an airbrushed photo in a magazine Mm. it's you know we want to look like that yet it's an unrealistic version of perfection we're never going to achieve because we can't airbrush ourselves physically and then we feel like we're falling short and we beat ourselves up for not looking beautiful enough Um, so it's the same with social media when we compare our our life to somebody else's we're not seeing the full picture so when we fall short what we're falling short on is is an unrealistic expectation but we have this attachment a lot of the time to perfect we want to look perfect we want our jobs to be perfect we want our partners to be perfect our life to be perfect and of course Mm. it never is and then we feel like we're not doing enough or we go we're failing in some way yeah
0: it it definitely seems like that like we are setting ourselves up to fail by pretending that everything has to be perfect all the time and even you know I was thinking about this the other day relationships and marriage and things and like there's all this stuff everyone talks about dating and you sit down with your girlfriends and you talk about it and then you get married and I feel like no one talks about what happens after that you know it's this yeah you get your happily ever after now you're married and everyone you know drifted off into the sunset but it's like Hang on, that's not how relationships work, actually. You're
1: going <laughs> and then there's to dirty some... washing on the floor. Yes,
0: exactly. And they and the turn the off. Yeah, <laughs> all of that. And it's like, and I feel like it's not. If you're in a relationship that's really good for you, it should challenge you. They should confront you with things about yourself you don't want to deal with, but out of love, they're bringing it to your attention. You know, because your your whole thing is you should want to grow and grow together, but Like I I just noticed that, that all of a sudden it's just quiet, you know? And so then Mm. no one knows how to cope and no one wants to say I'm struggling because it looks like everyone else has got their act together. And so my question for you too is in the social media world, if we're only presenting a certain part of ourselves that isn't even real, what does that do to us internally when we know that we're being essentially inauthentic?
1: Um, It's a good question. I mean, authenticity is a really um, hot topic. And it's one of those things that, I mean, when I talk about like a girl, that's sort of, you know, to be like a girl, certainly when I was growing up, you were sort of made to feel like you had to fit in a box. You had to be a certain way. You had to look a certain way. You had to behave a certain way. And I was a real tomboy growing up. So I never fit that mold. But (laughs) that made me feel bad the whole time I was growing up because I felt like I wasn't conforming. I felt like I was different. I felt like I was disappointing people because I wasn't conforming to the expectation of, of what girls should be like. But what that also did is it put me into a space of, I want to try and be more like that and less like me. And that obviously moved me far away from my authenticity. And it was only sort of after learning the hard lessons and coming back to, to, to square one where I was like, actually if I'm going to be my authentic self, it might look completely different to what this mold of, of a girl looks like, but you know what? It's going to be me and I'm going to be so much happier. And that's what happened. And that's what I'd like to encourage other people through, through like a girl is that we can, we don't have to fit in a box. We can make our own box and we don't have to fit in a mold. We can be our authentic selves. And it's a lot happier place to be because it's so tiring. It's exhausting. And it makes us unhappy if we're trying to be somebody else all the time or trying to please, people or trying to conform it just takes us away from our authenticity which is such a critical part of us being comfortable in our own skin but also being happy as well
0: yeah I love that yeah lots to think about so what is one thing that you wish everyone knew
1: I wish that everybody knew it was okay to fail because that's one of the things we've been taught. I mean, you mentioned it before that we kind of, you know, set ourselves up to fail by trying to be perfect because we don't want to fail. And that's ironic. But if we had permission to fail, if we didn't feel that failure was a negative, we'd take more risks. We'd try more. We wouldn't be so disappointed when perfection didn't happen. And by giving ourselves permission to fail, it's really funny because my relationship with failure has kind of, kind of flipped. I used to think that like you avoid it at all costs. And if you don't fail, then you're going to be successful by default. But I've learned yeah. that it's how we learn. It's how we grow. Every time you make a mistake and you fail, you learn a valuable lesson. And if we can give ourselves permission to fail, we'll learn more mm-hmm. lessons. And that's how we grow and develop as people. And certainly, you know, when I when I look at my first book, I often use the example, my royalty check for my first book was less than $5. In fact, it wasn't even worth cashing because it came from the US. So it would have cost <laughs> me more to cash it than it was actually worth. So yeah. I might, like, keep it now as a souvenir. Now, had I have thought, okay, that's it, the book's a flop, I'm a failure, not cut out to be an author, I would never have written the second book, which, ironically, I learned so many lessons from the first that I could apply to make the second better, that that was obviously done a lot better as well and that's how we keep learning and keep growing but so often we think that failure is a negative and it's a sign we should stop rather than bouncing back and learning from it and keeping going and if we know that we're going to get so much further and achieve so much more and we don't beat ourselves up as much then either because failure is kind of an inevitable part of the path as opposed to you know proof that we're not as good as people think we are
0: Yes and if we can stop glorifying perfection and if we're actually having these honest conversations exactly like that I love that you shared that story about your first book because everyone (laughs) has a story like that you know I met a photographer the other day who shot at his first wedding years ago on a camera and he forgot to put a film in it you know and it's like we've all made horrific mistakes or you know we've all done stuff like that but then you do learn from it and I for me I guess it always comes back to a bigger picture where it's like well what do you actually think the point of our life is because if we that you can't have one without the other right you wouldn't have success if you didn't fail and Tighten. if you never grow or changed or anything what would be the point what would be the yeah. whole point of this experience and that's the yeah.
1: danger. If we, do, um, if we are terrified of failure, the danger is that we won't even try. So we'll stay in our comfort zone and we'll never try anything new or anything that's difficult because we don't want to fail. So we'll take the easy road and play it safe all throughout our lives and we'll get to the end of our lives and we won't have done anything with them and that, that will be a real shame.
0: Yeah, I love that so much. I, um, I realized a few years ago that my biggest fear is having regrets at the end of my life and so that's great because I mean I'm more afraid of having regrets than I am of making mistakes and failing. so it's like gives me permission <laughs> to just do whatever I want make as many mistakes like <laughs> it certainly does but it's, but it's so good because then I I feel like you stop viewing th- these things as mistakes and you view them as lessons and even yeah changing the wording that we use or the language it it feels different to say yeah, okay that, oh, you does. know Look how much I grew in that, as opposed to oh, look how much money I blew in that, or whatever, or <laughs> like how hurt I got from that relationship, or whatever. But, but then these things build resilience, and then you know better, and you learn more about yourself, and yeah,
1: it's yeah, it's it can be a positive. It's it's how we um yeah, like you say, reframe how we think about this and get the positives out of it. That's that's where the rubber hits the road on this, I guess. Totally. Okay.
0: Awesome. Cool, so I have a couple more questions for you. One is. If you could go back to 15-year-old Jess and tell her one thing, what would it be? Oh, wow. <laughs> Poor
1: 15-year-old Jess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love um, myself as a 15-year-old and probably most other 15-year-olds as well, especially girls, to know that, um, you know, someone will love you for who you are. And it's not about having to be something different or be better in area, any area of our life. It's just tapping into that. So once mm-hmm. we get comfortable with being who we are, that's when we are at our best. Um, and I wish I'd have known that when I was 15. It would have probably cost me um, 15 years less of, of working on this stuff. Yeah, but I think sometimes, sense. you know, the, the value is also in the lessons as well. And I've learned a huge amount of them. But if I could have known that back then, then yeah, I can imagine uh, how different life would have been.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it. Me too, actually, if I think about that. But let's not go down that road.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: <laughs> awesome. So the last thing is, how can we find you
1: and follow you and support you? So my website is jessstuart.co.nz. So it's J-E-S-S-S-T-U-A-R-T. The book is Like a Girl. That's on there. And I've got some events some workshops happening throughout Wellington, Auckland, also looking to spread into a few other cities across New Zealand this year. And normally cropping up at conferences and events near you so yeah most of the stuff is on my website um, on Facebook LinkedIn across social media also have um, a YouTube channel which is a great place to go because it's got over 50 free videos on stuff like this so um, a, a good awesome. place to tap into for some extra inspiration and for those that aren't available to see me in person I've got a lot of this material online as well I do a lot of online courses
0: amazing awesome yay Cole. well thank you so much jess this has been super no worries. Enlightening. My, my brain's taking <laughs> over now so I'll it's lovely to this. chat with you yeah awesome this was great so yeah i'm follow jess everyone and i'm gonna go and stalking myself on youtube now Cole. <laughs> all right well i'll talk to you soon jess thanks again awesome thanks okay see you later